everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Company We Keep podcast. I'm your host, Jason Pearl. This is a podcast for everyday business owners, leaders, and entrepreneurs that want to think differently about growth and success and want to find better balance in both business and in life. Today's episode is part two of our two-part episode with my real good friend and celebrity chef, Matt Epdu. If you listen to episode one of this series, you're going to love what we have in store for you for episode two. So without further ado, let's hand it over to my interview with Matt. Again, if you're not into the food scene, I'm going to lay this out. Del Posto is, it's, if you say that anywhere to anyone in the world in a food scene, they understand where it is and what it's about. And you were the guy, right? Like you were the chef de cuisine there. You won awards there. And you decided to basically give up this like really high-end position in the restaurant world and highly thought of position to go into barbecue competition and then to open up like a beer garden and a barbecue joint. So you're going from $800 loafers to t-shirt and jeans and eating food with your hands and licking both. Walk me through the thought process of how you decided to leave this industry, this one world in the restaurant industry and go to something very opposite. Um, you got it. All right, here we go. Let's strap in for this journey because this is a pretty good one. I was at Del Posto for almost nine years. I came there as a walk-in line cook, leaving Marco, as we talked about earlier. I got to meet the executive chef of Del Posto, this gentleman by the name of Mark Ladner, who is, again, another mentor in my cooking career, absolutely incredible human being and super, super talented, like cerebral chef that's out there. Nobody understands Italian food better than Mark Ladner does. And for me to have the opportunity to work with him, was a dream come true. He worked for Mario Vitale. So I got this opportunity to muscle my way into the door as a line cook, leaving Marco, where I worked for, I got to give a shout out to Marco Fowley. He was my, again, another mentor in my five years. But Mark Ladner and Marco Fowley grew up together. They went to culinary school together. And Ladner would come up to Boston to do these just guest chef dinners. And I got to meet him. And when I got to a point in Boston where I felt I needed to immerse myself in deeper culinary waters. I gave Mark a call and he said, yes, come work with me. You're hired. It'll be awesome. Love it to have you. So I left being the chef's cuisine of this restaurant in Boston to go be a line cook at Del Posto because I wanted it so bad. I knew I was taking a huge risk going to the big city of New York. It's, it's a monster. But I worked from line cook to, to chef de partie, to junior sous chef, to sous chef, to executive sous chef, to chef de cuisine. And then after nine years... Um, of doing all of that. I was chef de cuisine for my last four years there. Got to travel with Mario Vitale, cook with Mario Vitale, got to meet Emeril Lagasse, like all my idols and inspirations, Bobby Flay, you name it. These people I grew up journalizing my life, I got to meet them in my time here at Del Posto. And it was the greatest culinary experience I, anybody could ever ask for what I got when I went there. But I sacrificed a lot. I would work six days a week, sometimes seven, work on my days off. I always wanted to separate myself from the pack. And I love this head, heart, house thing, because when you're in your mid to late 20s or early 30s and you potentially are single and you don't have family or a, ch a child or children yet, your house and your head and your heart could be completely different spaces than they are for me now. And I guess what I'm saying is that's what brings me to what made me want to do this change was that I, when I left, when I started at Del Posto, I was 28. I was there for nine years. I left, I was 37. It just got to a point where I didn't want to do these 15 hour days anymore. I didn't want to have that stress and that pressure on me anymore. I was actually offered to take over for Mark Ladner. Mark Ladner was leaving after 11 years to be the 
a chef owner, executive chef and owner of that restaurant. He won a James Beard Award at that restaurant. Mark won every award a chef can win. A James Beard Award is basically like an Oscar for a chef. It's like the biggest right. accolade. Right. Yeah. And he offered it to me when he left. And I just, I didn't want to do it. I was looking at a huge promotion, huge opportunity, a huge pay increase. And I was looking at all of it and I just said, I just, I can't, I just, I don't want to do this anymore. And, and part of the reason was because I would have incredible friends like you, my family that would want to come in and support me and see me there. And I always felt so guilty that they'd come in there and it was minimum. Like you just to walk in the door is a minimum 250 bucks a person to walk into this restaurant. I know that for many people, that's a special occasion meal. It's an engagement. It's birthday. It's a celebration. It's a wedding. Sure. The case might be. And that's truly a special moment, but I'd always feel so guilty when people that I loved would come in and it'd be a four top and they're, and they'd end up spending, you know, $1,200 after tip. And that was with me hooking it up. That was with me, right? Setting up and counting things. Like it's just, it was messy. And it went back to what I wanted when I was younger was just to be able to put smiles on people's faces. And I knew that I started barbecuing with my current business partner, one of my dear friends, Rob Shogger. Mm-hmm. Rob Shogger was an investor at Del Posto. Successful finance guy, Wall Street guy, worked, did really well for himself. He would come to Del Posto and do this big, large feast for him. Yada, yada. So I got to know him there. And then Mark Ladner and I wanted to go take a trip to Austin, Texas. So Shogger found out about this trip and he's, I'm coming. I said, okay, great. So I met him. We bonded on this trip. We went to all these different iconic barbecue places. We became really good buddies on that trip. And he's, anytime you want to come out to the Hamptons, I have a house in Sag Harbor. I'd love to have you join me. We'll, I have a barbecue. We, we'll have some fun. Just come and hang out. So I started doing that. I was, again, single, no obligations. Rob Shogger is actually the person that introduced me to my wife, which is another segue to the story. Uh, but I, we started doing that for fun. And then he's, we're pretty good at this. He's like, I got the chef de cuisine from Del Posto for my barbecue pits. It can't be that bad. In New York, where we grew up, there's really no barbecue culture, per se. Dinosaur barbecue was the sure. first. It was kind of sure. happened in upstate New York. And, but there was no New York barbecue culture. It just didn't exist. So we started doing these barbecue competitions. We started winning local competitions in Long Island, Staten Island. And then he's, I can get us into Memphis in May when you go, if I get us in. I was like, hell yeah, I'll go. Let's do this. The world championship barbecue competition. I'm in. Sign us up. And our first year down there, we got second place in the whole hog or first place to poultry. And in the barbecue world, that's a huge deal. And it's like when we got called that we final, which means we made the top three for whole hog. It was literally like the record screeching and being like New York City and it was just an incredible moment. We were onto something here. We're actually pretty good at this thing. And Rob was like, Matt, would you ever consider leaving Del Posto? And I was like, yeah, as a matter of fact, I've been thinking about that a lot lately. He said, I have this great idea. I have this great spot. Why don't we use this momentum from our win in 2014 and use it as a pop-up? So my business partner, Rob, found this space in Buenos Brooklyn, where we currently are at Big Beach in Brooklyn. And it's on the banks of the Buenos Canal. Now, those of you listening, the Buenos Canal is historically the place where the mob used to dump the dead bodies, the guns. It was just in that movie, The Irish Midge with Robert De Niro. Yep. They, sure. So we filmed sure. a couple scenes at our restaurant. Pretty cool. It's also a super fun site, which means it's polluted, beyond polluted. And that meant that seven years ago, when you first found the spot, you could get the real estate for really cheap. That's why you constantly are seeing all these restaurants popping up in these neighborhoods that are becoming gentrified, but aren't there yet. And we came here and Rob had this vision. I did it. I'll bear in mind, I'm leaving a $16 million build out restaurant kitchen to go to a parking lot. There was a broken gravel parking lot. It had cars on cinder blocks, 
barbed wire wound up like tumbleweed, dumpsters all over the place. The place used to actually be a parking lot for halal food trucks. So Rob says, he, I, all I see is this mess of a parking lot. Rob's home. Clear it all out. Pave the lot. Put some planters over there. We'll build a bar over there. We'll build a barbecue pavilion over there. Get some uh, string lights to hang up going across the thing. And he had this vision. He saw it. And I was like, all right, if you see that, I'm in. Let's do it. And I was like, I'm going to take a chance. I'm taking a huge chance leaving this incredible prestigious position, leaving the opportunity to be the executive chef of a four-star New York Times restaurant to say, you know what? I just want to try this barbecue thing and see how it goes. And we did it. In the first year, people loved it so much. And, our, and to be honest, our barbecue the first year wasn't even all that good. But what people loved was the idea. They loved the space. They loved the feel. They loved the, the ambiance. They loved this fact that we were this fun, family-friendly barbecue beer garden where you could get incredible barbecue and just hang outside with the family. To, to get back to the original question of this, of what was the catalyst to have me leave Super Fine Dining and go into barbecue, I think it was, I just got to the point where after I met my wife, Megan, I wanted to be able to spend more time with her. And again, Jay, I'm stealing the head, heart, and house thing. I love that. I absolutely love that. Yeah. Because it, it just, it makes so much sense, particularly if we're looking at me in that moment. Like my head was still in the moment where I wanted to climb over the ladder and I wanted to be Whatever it was I was going to do, I wanted to be a chef, the partner of, or an owner of. I didn't yeah. want to work for anybody anymore. Not enough of that. My heart was now, I still love food. I still love cooking. I still love what I do. But now there's this woman in my life who I also love that I want to be able to spend time with. And I need to mold my life around that and then get my house in order to the point where I could bring all of that together to still keep me happy, to still get to do what I love to do, which is cook food and put smiles on people's faces, but be able to spend time with my wife. And the best part about that is, is two things, is that, Number one, you were already feeling what you were feeling. You already hit a level of success, but you were feeling something different. Like when you're succeeding and you're numb to the success that you're having, it's probably time for a change, right? Because you're just not experiencing the joy that it is. And ultimately what you wanted to do is instead of having your friends come in and your family or even strangers that. And there's nothing wrong with going and having a $1,200 meal. If you could afford it, it's special occasion, great. But it got back to the roots of who you are as an individual. You said earlier on, food makes you happy and you want to serve others by making them happy with your food. So what you did is you trusted your instinct, you trusted your skill, and you trusted your heart, said no to money, accolades, and status. And went after the life that you really wanted to live. It, it's this story that we tell and week after week when we have guests on, it's what we consistently hear specifically from entrepreneurs is that they had good jobs. They could provide, they had what most people would covet in a life, but they changed it to take a risk because it's what was going on in their head, heart, house. It, it, I think that you're such a wonderful example of that. It, and the reason that I'd like to promote that so much is that it's not easy to walk away from money. It's not easy to walk away from status for happiness. And what I found in my personal journey with starting Naker Consulting is the same thing you found, is that your happiness goes through the roof. It doesn't mean you don't have to still work, but your happiness went through the roof and then money followed. It wasn't there immediately. But if you do what you love and you're good at it and you lead yourself, your family, and the people around you the right way, the money will find its way back. To you. And obviously, we're going to talk a little bit about you're going to open up a third location. We're post-COVID. And obviously, I'm sure you weathered that, did what you had to do. But happiness, serving others, and making people happy through food 
has actually fulfilled all the dreams of your life. Wife, kid, restaurant, there it is. And I think that I don't want to gloss over that because the people that are listening may be battling with the same thing you battled with in 2015, 2016, when you started thinking about exiting Del Posto. I just kind of recap that again and point that out. And as we move forward, kind of one of the next kind of quick things that I want to go over is the balance side of things, right? Because this is a podcast for leaders and entrepreneurs and business owners that want to grow, but also want to achieve balance in business and life. And in, in the restaurant world, as you said, it's not easy. So can you maybe quickly walk us through like how you do your best to balance both being chef, owner, celebrity guy with being a husband and a father? I think, Jay, honestly, I think that's probably the hardest thing that I deal with every single day on a day-to-day basis is finding that balance. And, and the honest answer is that there are times when the restaurant will need a lot of my attention and I'll have to give it to it in order to continue to make it succeed and successful. That gives me the opportunity to provide for my family to fill the cycle of spending time with them sure. so that I can go back to work and make more money and then go spend time with my family. And I think sure. what I found, particularly since my son was born in the last four years, was having a set schedule as a chef is, is not really an easy thing to do. We're not the type of people that are nine to five. You punch in, you punch out, you have weekends off. It just doesn't, that world doesn't exist for us. But what does exist is that there are times and there are moments that you just say, oh, okay, these are going to be the moments that I'm going to have with my family and I'm going to stick to them and I'm going to carve it out wherever I can get it. And whenever I have those moments, I'm going to make them count. I'm going to make them really special. What I found within my lifestyle was that I don't typically have to go into work till later because we work evenings. So my mornings to me are something that are very sacred. I, I have bad habit. I'm sorry. My son sleeps with me and that's the greatest thing in the world. And I know I'm not supposed to do that, but I can't stop doing it. So I love it. And it's my mornings where he wakes up and he like, he'll snuggle with me and then we'll go downstairs and we'll get the juice, make breakfast and we like truck tunes or trains or whatever it is that he wants to watch. And that's like our special time. From 7 a.m. until 11 a.m., those four hours for me, are really special and really important. So those are the time of the day that I get to really spend that time with my son, obviously my, with my wife too. And, but the other thing yeah. that's been great too is we have this internet thing now, this FaceTime that allows me to just chat with my son, my wife, see that physically throughout parts of the day, even if it's just for a minute or two. But I think the most important thing that I've learned is just wherever you can and however you can, balance is truly important to happiness and happiness is important to success for what I found in my life. Yeah. If you're not happy, then there's no way of hell. If I'm not happy at work, then there's no way of hell that I can give forth an image of me being happy to which in this hospitality industry and service industry, you have to always be happy. You have to always be excited right. about people. You have to be, always be excited to put a smile on somebody else's face. And that image is always top down. And that's a, one of the things that I think has been one of the biggest compliments that I get people that work with me is that they love that I'm never in a bad mood. And that's a deliberate thing. That's something that I work really hard at to make sure that no matter what's going on in my life, even though I really try to keep everything positive so it just comes off naturally. Sure, no matter what's going on in my life, and there's a ton of stuff that goes on, but no matter what that is, I always come to work with a smile on my face. I always say hello to everybody that walks in the door when they get here. And I always like engage in a little bit of a conversation, no matter what that is, big or small, just to let people know that like, I genuinely care. I'm here, I'm excited, and I'm thankful yeah. that they're here today to work with me. And I, you know them, you see them, and you understand what's going on in the world 
which is one of the things that makes you a good leader. And it's why people want to follow, which is such a great story. And it's amazing. So like you said, stealing those little moments, it's, it reminded me what we talked about earlier. It's like flipping pancakes with your dad back when you were a kid, right? Yeah. So there's little moments that you can steal to create your own level of importance together and create your own thing. I've never really seen it from that sort of side, but that must have been like ultra special for my dad too, because like I'm one of four boys and my dad had to find a way of having a connection with each of his children in a way. So that's right. really kind of a, no, that's really special to think about it that way too. Yeah. That was probably yeah, so for sure. He looked forward to just as much as I did. That's right. Yeah. No, it, it's amazing. And it, there's just so much that we could talk about. I want to continue to talk. And, and I think we're going to get you on for another episode. There's a few final questions that I want to ask so we can tie up this episode that, that I think would be really interesting for, for our listeners to, to, to hear. So being a food guy, what's your favorite dish to make? Oh man, my favorite dish to make. Everybody asks me that. And it's like the most impossible thing for me to answer. I, my workaround for that is my favorite food to make is whatever's going to put a smile in your face. That's some hard cheese bar answer to it. But this, the okay. current stuff that I'm currently loving to make right now is I just been messing around with this new enchilada sauce and I've been making these chicken enchiladas, which are, are dynamite that I'm really excited about. I love cooking so many different things. I love making pizza, especially when my son now is out enough to like have fun with it. Anything on the grill when it's summertime. Now, this could be food related or it could be something else. Another fun question is, what is your favorite guilty pleasure? My favorite guilty pleasure. Wow. My favorite guilty pleasure is I'm, I'm a kind of person doesn't get a lot of downtime. So I think my favorite guilty pleasure is once my wife and son are asleep, I love just like sitting on the couch and decompressing and eating something that I probably shouldn't be eating and catching up on shows that I haven't been able to watch or see because I'm constantly yeah. talking. I'm like the most G-rated, I, people break my stones all the time about it because I'm like the most G-rated chef in this industry where a lot of other chefs yeah. are down the dark path of drinking and drugs and, and other stuff. What do I want to do? I want to get a bag of Swedish fish, sit on the couch and watch Loki. The best part about that, Matt, is that's exactly who I know you to be, who I knew you to be 20 years ago when I experienced and seeing you with all the success be the exact same way today is just a testament to you sticking to your laurels and sticking to your morals and just being who God created you to be, which I love, which I absolutely love. Final question. I know that it used to be known to play a little guitar and dance like that. We always like to ask a musical question. What was the last album you either bought or downloaded or the last live show you attended or what are you playing currently right now, either on your phone or in your car? Yeah. I, this is a great question, and I'm sure many young, many parents to young children out there can relate. The, the most recent album I just downloaded was Trolls 2 Soundtracks. <laughs> and the most recent show I went to was Sesame Street at Barclays. As we close out, one of the, one of the last things that, that we're going to close with is, can you share with the audience what's going on right now? I know there's a new launch for, for a big beach, beach location. So can you tell us a little bit about that? And then also... How can people follow? Yes, so thank you. So we're super excited. We're opening up another restaurant in Long Island City, Queens, in the border of Astoria, Queens. The address is 353736 Street. It's always like tricky because of that. This was a project that was supposed to open up last summer, but obviously COVID delayed it for a year. But we're back on track. We're looking forward to opening up in the next three to four weeks. It's very exciting. It's 30,000 square feet. It's a monster. It's huge. It's got about 15,000 square feet of outdoor space. It's got about 15,000 square foot of inside space. The place is huge. It's incredible. It's going to be so much fun. We're super excited for that to happen. We also just did a couple of new fun collaborative projects with Formel, 
where if you guys are listening and you want to try Taste of Pig Beach anywhere in the country, you can go to your local Walmart or many national large chain grocery stores like Kroger's and uh, you can buy, it's a Lloyd's brand pulled pork and pulled chicken with Pig Beach two-time world champion barbecue mustard sauce from Memphis in May. You can order it online from Walmart too. It. Eat it up. Give us a good review. I promise you're going to like it. You can follow me at Instagram, at personally at Mad Abdu, or you can follow any one of our restaurants at Pig Beach NYC, at Pig Beach LIC, and at Pig Beach Palm Beach for the three locations yeah. that we currently have. And we're going to share all your contact information in the show notes. So you guys always know how to get to all of our guests, all their information, how you could follow them is at jasonmperl.com. So if you forget this or you're driving in the car and you can't write it down, hit up the website. All of Matt's contact information is going to be there. If anybody ever has any personal barbecue questions they want to ask me, I'm an open book. You can call the restaurant, leave a message on our, our I have a personal voicemail on the restaurant line. Leave me a voicemail. I'll get back to you. Send me an email. It's matt at pigbeachnyc.com. I'd be happy to answer any questions I can via email. And also, too, if you guys want a taste of any of our sauces, you can go to pigbeachnyc.com and click on the store button where you can get our award-winning sauces and all-purpose barbecue seasoning online as well. Shipped right to your home. Dude, I love it, man. Do me a favor and hop to that website. Get something in an award-winning sauce. Matt, it has been an absolute pleasure introducing you to my audience. It's always great to carve out some time to just spend with you. I'm certainly going to cherish this hour we spent together. And I just want to let you know how proud I am of you. And just thank you so much for being a contributor to this podcast. Thanks, kidding me. Thank you, Jay. I love you, brother. It's so great to chat with you. So we yeah. see your face. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Company We Keep podcast. Hope you enjoyed the time I spent with Matt. You enjoyed the interview. He is just an absolute dynamite guy. If you happen to be in the New York City area or the greater New York City area, in late August, Matt's going to be opening his third location of Pig Beach in Long Island City. Do yourself a favor, head over there or head to the location in Brooklyn. Or if you happen to be in Florida, check out their West Palm Beach location. If you're enjoying this podcast, I've got a new feature on my website that I'd like you to check out. Head over to jasonmperl.com. You can leave me a digital voicemail. And uh, we wanted to put this on the website so you could interact with me, ask me questions about episodes, or even just talk to me about future ideas or thoughts of things you'd like to hear from me about. So shoot over to jasonmperl.com and check that out. Would love to hear from you. So until next time, I am your host, Jason Pearl. I'm out. Peace.